I type out my thoughts, then I say them aloud to whom, who knows, who cares me so. Am I going to say them anyway? Hell yeah. Enjoy. So the story I'm about to tell you now happened to me a few months ago, and I'm going to retell it now, of course, with my dramatic spin. So enjoy. It is a little spooky. (laughs) I live on the second floor of a five-story apartment here in New York City. Apartment 2B. You walk up a flight of stairs and boom, there's my apartment door. Anyone who moves past the lobby walks past my door. Now, on this evening, I had decided to go to bed early and fell asleep around 9pm. But to no surprise, I woke up around 3am because my body hates me. My roommates are asleep and all is well, or so I thought. I get up to go to the bathroom, my living room dark, my kitchen quiet, my bathroom across the way. I see a sliver of light in the distance, but I think nothing of it and proceed to the bathroom. Upon exiting, I make my way back to my bedroom, but first I decide, like I usually do, to check to make sure everything is as it should be. I turn around and look at my apartment door and see that it is unlocked. Now realizing this is where the light was coming from moments before, I approach the door. And now only notice the door was unlocked, but it was ajar. I slam the door shut and lock it and look around my apartment now paranoid that I may have an unwanted visitor in my midst. I see what I think is a shadow in my kitchen and panic sets in. I move towards the kitchen in fear of what or who I may find to find no one there. I then turn from the kitchen and I look up to see. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to see how this story concludes. So... If you listened to last week's episode, then you know how long and how much of a fan I am of Harry Potter. (laughs) So imagine my excitement when I saw that a Harry Potter-based video game called Hogwarts Legacy was being developed and coming soon. And though 2020 is turning out to be all around trash, this would be a highlight for me. But that feeling of joy and excitement didn't last long as I went on social media to see what people were saying about it, and I encountered the following tweet. If you buy Hogwarts Legacy, you do not support the LGBT community, and you are not an ally. Now, I was taken aback by this brash and divisive statement, but took a moment to gather where such an opinion would stem from, and it came to me. The author and creator of Harry Potter, Miss J.K. Rowling. Now, Rowling has come on un- it's not funny, I'm sorry. Now, Rowling has come under hot water and controversy for repeated anti-trans remarks, according to a large majority and her support of TERF, an anti-trans radical feminist group. Due to this, there has been a staunch line drawn among fans, with one side laying to rest their love of Harry Potter and boycotting any future projects related to the wizarding world versus the other side deciding to separate the art from the artist and while opposed and against Rowling's beliefs on this issue, choose to still enjoy, follow, and support the world of Harry Potter. I fall into the latter category. Bringing it back to the tweet I mentioned earlier, I just thought it was an oversimplification to state that if you do this, then you're that. 
black and white, no in between, no gray. If it was the case that buying a product meant you supported everything the creator had done, no one would be able to morally buy and consume any product ever again. I'm talking Chick-fil-A, large corporations, uh, the music and Hollywood industry. I could go on and on. Now, when it comes to Hogwarts Legacy, though it's founded on Rowling's creation, it's more than likely she's very loosely involved, and though she's likely to gain profit, that lady has more money than she knows what to do with, including many people's decades of support prior to her remarks. Not to mention the large number of people who have worked day and night to develop and bring this game to life that would be negatively affected if a vast amount of people chose not to buy the game due to one person's remarks. Now, I understand those who feel morally they have to take a stand and no longer support or cherish the thing they once did. And I can respect that. I honestly can. But for me and for the time being, I will maintain the stance that it is absolutely possible to love and buy into the world of Harry Potter while also calling out Rowling's bigotry for what it is. My 23rd birthday was two weekends ago, and I celebrated like I usually do, alone. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But no, really, I did. And I'm perfectly okay with that, for the most part. (laughs) In addition to the usual birthday calls and texts from family and friends, I usually spend the day self-reflecting and enjoying my own company. Um, Last year, I went to the spa, a very bougie place, but quite nice and followed it up with dinner at Hudson Yards using a gift card I had, and ended the night seeing Hustlers. And overall, it was a great 22nd birthday, memorable and enjoyable. Now, for this year, with COVID, my usual movie and dinner was a no-go, so I opted for a day in the park, accompanied by a travel beverage of the adult variety, with music, light reading, and enjoying the good weather. I accomplished most, minus the reading, which I find difficult to do in public places, with noises, people, and bugs, all that. You know in the movies and TV shows how they make it look all relaxing, reading under a shady tree, and a cute stranger walks up to you and asks to see what you're reading? Yeah, no. <laughs> but two interesting things did happen. And for the first thing that happened, I am going to dramatize the events because I am an artiste. Thank you very much. So here we go. After a day of relaxing in Washington Square Park, I had to use the bathroom. Thankfully, there was a public restroom nearby, so I joined the line, pacing in place, needing desperately to relieve myself, but remaining calm nevertheless. With my AirPods in my ears, I waited. Finally, my turn had arrived. I arrived at the urinal, not a moment too soon, my left AirPod fell out of my air and slid under into the toilet stall of my neighbor who was most likely taking a shit from the smell of it. I took a moment to realize what had happened and wondered if the next move would be on my part or on theirs. I finished the task at hand and realized I had to make the first move. Now, I bent down and reached under the toilet stall, intruding on the stranger's place of privacy The stranger's foot moved quickly. I grabbed my AirPod and without waiting for another response, washed my hands and made a dash for the exit. What ran through the mind of that stranger seeing my black hand reach under the stall to retrieve what was mine? Annoyance? 
surprise, amusement, I know not. But the experience of such strange events will remain with me as happening on my 23rd birthday. Now, <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> now, for the second interesting thing that happened, it is not as dramatic as the first, but it made me wonder and think and possibly sparked a new interest for me to lend volunteer efforts to outreach or something. I don't know. So anyway, I returned from the bathroom ordeal and found a spot under a tree. Now, at this point in the day, um, the day was winding down and I was moving from being buzzed to more so sloshed, as the Brits say. <laughs> so I knew it was time for me to go soon. But sitting there, um, a boy... A little boy, no older than eight or nine years old, seemingly, out of nowhere, walked up to me, patted me on the head, and smiling, looked me directly in my eyes, and I looked up at him, slightly taken aback, but returned the smile. Seconds later, his father, I'm assuming, came over and apologizing nervously, told me he had autism, and like ushered him away. Now, I was slightly annoyed with myself, because if I wasn't so inebriated i could have been more engaging perhaps even played with the child for a moment but due to my hazy state i couldn't really grasp the situation as a whole till looking back on it later um anyways i i've always found autism and people on the spectrum fascinating and would love to lend my efforts to that community in any way so perhaps post-covid i'll look into like volunteer work with that community so if anyone is involved or knows anything like about that just you know let me know but anyway, that wraps up Tales from the 23rd. Hopefully 24 is just as exciting and eventful. You know, I've been watching the show Big Brother on CBS for the past six or seven years. And to summarize, the show is a reality competition show where a group of strangers from different backgrounds, mm -hmm, including ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation, etc., live in a house closed off from the outside world with cameras and mics watching and listening in on everything they say and do. The show airs three times a week, but there's also a 24-7 live stream you can pay extra to watch, which people do because, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're competing to win $500,000 through a series of physical and mental competitions, social skills, alliances, all of that. Uh, throughout the course of the game, people are evicted from the house by being voted out by their fellow house guests. And the final two house guests remaining at the end then make their plea to the jury made up of the evicted house guests as to why they should win. And the jury crowns a winner. I found interest in the show because it was interesting to see the social experiment of what people will say and do to win money, ranging from lying, bullying, emotional manipulation, mob mentality, romantic pursuits, all of that and more, all amongst a diverse mm -hmm, group of people. <laughs> but alas, here is where lies my problem with the show, the diversity. Now, I know that word makes some people roll their eyes, I don't know why. But this show's issues with diversity are so apparent that for as much as I enjoy the show, it's hard not to think about. Now, for a show that's supposed to be a microcosm of society, or at least the United States, in most of the seasons I have watched, there is one black woman, one black man, maybe, if we're lucky, and one other person of color. And to round it out and check all the boxes, one member of the LGBT plus community. 
And guess what the other 12 house guests usually are? White. As a result of these demographics, every season, viewers watch as a group of predominantly white, attractive to some, athletic cool kids form alliances and start picking off the outcasts one by one, who are usually the older, heavier set, nerdier, and most often minority contestants. So if looking at it from a sheer numbers perspective, a lack of diversity decreases the odds of a person of color winning the game, despite any racism or bias. Maybe that's why in its 21 seasons, there's never been a black winner and only three winners of color. But yeah. Now, with that given context, season 22 is currently airing titled All Stars to represent Big Brother players who have played in the past coming back to compete once again. In terms of cast demographics, um, out of the 16 house guests, there's a record-breaking, earth-shattering five people of color, two of them being black women, which is like unheard of. The remaining 11 house guests are, drum roll, (laughs) I don't even have to say it because, you know, come on. (laughs) Now, I understand like that in the times of COVID, it may have been harder to get past contestants to come back. But the fault still lies with casting because in their efforts to cast a black male contestant, they casted a contestant from the literal last season, season 21, who was eliminated first and as a result by no means an all-star. But enough with that. Okay, let me get to my point. Day one of the house guests being in the house for this season, a house guest by the name of Memphis, a middle-aged white man from Tennessee, rounded up five other players, all of the white variety, to form an alliance called the Committee. And something about that just didn't sit right with me. You haven't had a chance to interact with all of the players and determine who you can trust, but almost immediately, without hesitation, you form a group excluding any minorities or LGBT players and vow to stick and work together to get rid of all other players until it's only themselves remaining. Hmm, interesting. Now, you might have seen on Twitter this past week Memphis trending for allegedly calling David, the one black male player, a racial slur. And while CBS has released a statement saying he did not say it, the video footage and the fact that people would even draw that conclusion make you wonder. But along with that, Memphis has been routinely unkind to David, impersonating him in condescending ways, emasculating him with physical taunts and verbiage, and so on all often in the presence of his alliance who notices, but rather than call him out on it, laugh, deflect, or ignore the blatant microaggressions, prejudice, and some would go as far to say racist behavior. Not to mention aforementioned Memphis was again trending a few weeks ago from mocking and making fun of another house guest, Ian's behavior and interactions with him, something Ian has explained to the house as part of him being on the autism spectrum. Now, not a far way off from behaviors like this, another house guest, um, by the name of Christmas, yes, that's her name, (laughs) did not do herself any favors by nominating to evict the two black women competitors, Bailey and Devon, resulting in Bailey's eviction, citing her reason being they were a duo and alliance that had to be broken up. Mind you, Christmas is in the aforementioned The Committee Alliance led by Memphis and also in a duo like many of the other house guests. What made these two ladies different and worth singling out? I wonder. Hmm. The thing that was irksome the most about this was other house guests encouraged the notion that Christmas should be afraid of putting them up and that she should go and lock herself in her bedroom. Christmas even going as far to say they were going to shoot her. Mind you, Christmas in 2018, while eight months pregnant, obtained a felony charge for vehicular assault against her boyfriend's mistress. So who should be scared of who? 
When the ladies eventually did have a heated exchange, Christmas was cursing, clapping, and raising her voice at both Bailey and Devon, while the two black queens remained level-headed and chose to retreat to avoid the stereotypical portrayal of being the angry black woman, if they were in fact to argue back and defend themselves, leading to Devon breaking down in tears at this notion and the unfairness and hypocrisy of such stereotypes. <sighs> Fun show to watch. <laughs> At times, yes. Entertaining, also yes. But the repeated viewing of microaggressions and prejudice, unrepresentative casting of contestants, and gameplay, air quotes, that make you question contestants' true intent often leaves a sour taste in my mouth and makes me wonder if the show that is supposed to represent society as it is, is in fact achieving its goal. And if so, what does that say about society? Now, the conclusion to the story. I then turn from the kitchen and I look up to see myself in the hallway mirror, annoyed as hell that one of my roommates left the door not only unlocked, but open. This has happened before in the past where the door was left unlocked. And I usually just go and lock it, thinking to myself they probably just forgot. But I mean, unlocked and open at three in the morning. I return to my bedroom and I settle back into my bed, unsettled but grateful to be alive. And at that moment, I hear the apartment door quietly open and then close. I ponder if I heard what I think I heard, but in the end decided my mind was playing tricks on me. I go back to bed, ready to have a well-warranted conversation with my roommates in the morning. Now, I thought a forgetful roommate was as worse as it could get when it comes to New York City roommates. But boy, do I have a story for you from last month. And I'll be sharing that next week. Now, at the time of me recording this episode, as you all know, the iconic, powerful, pioneer Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away at the age of 87. And I actually wrote a paper about her in college. Uh, such an inspirational and intelligent woman. And I just thought my small way of honoring her and her legacy, in addition to continuing to fight and advocate for what she believed in, would be to have her as my quote of the week. And I have two because she deserves. The first quote is, People ask me sometimes, when will there be enough women on the court? And my answer is, when there are nine. People are shocked. But there's been nine men, and nobody's ever raised a question about that. Period. I mean, nothing else has to be said. Like, she's speaking straight facts. And the one that we've all heard, and it's just iconic and notorious, as some might say, I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. Like, literally just iconic. And she will be missed. And she is just, you know, she, <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what to say. It's just, she literally... 
paved the way for so many things and just continued fighting for equality until her dying breath. So thank you. Thank you, RBG. And that brings us to the end of another episode. And I really, really appreciate you for listening. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can reach me at that's allowed podcast with an S at gmail.com or on my socials listed below. Um, don't forget to rate and review if you did enjoy um, what you heard. And until next time, bye. <laughs>